Hi everybody, welcome back to Ask an Addiction Specialist. I'm Bob Weathers. Happy to have you join us today with my friend Odie Martinez. Hello. Thanks for joining, Odie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're in, we're here in the studio with Franz Salvatierra and Austin Armstrong, our two co-producers, and glad to be back with you. Just as we begin, uh, really want to invite you, as in previous episodes, to feel free to submit questions or comments. You can also submit those questions either through uh, Ask an Addiction Specialist, the Facebook uh, group. Uh, you can send a question that way. You can also, I'll give you my email address uh, later through my uh, website. You can also uh, reach out directly to me. In either case, I want to make sure that you feel that you're responded to. In our last, last podcast, uh, we looked at marking our gratitudes. Mm -hmm. And today's topic is living creatively. And these two are linked. I was just talking with Odie about this a minute ago. These two are linked. And I want to spend a minute reviewing what we talked about in our last podcast around gratitude, specifically gratitude and its relationship to shame. We talked about how it is that gratitude uh, uh, will trump shame. Right. And sometimes shame will trump gratitude. But I just wanted to open up for a conversation just for a moment with, with uh, you, Odie is what do you see in your personal life, any reflections that you have in terms of the relationship between gratitude or thanksgiving and shame? And I should do this first. I should define shame the way we've talked about it. <laughs> we've talked about shame as two sides of a coin. Right. One side is a threat to social acceptance, where I'm going to get kicked out of my social group, particularly those that I care most about. That's one side. The flip side to that of shame is a threat to self-esteem, so that we feel defective or broken. Those two are related because if I can't get you to stay connected to me, then I'm kind of failing something that's really important evolutionarily. Right. So that's that's the quick and easy definition for shame that we're using. One side. And so the flip in light of that, that what of might shame be the relationship a... of gratitude to shame for you, sir? Uh, for me, gratitude would uh, signify something that obviously that I'm, I'm thankful for. Yeah. Uh, shame is something that uh, I'm not grateful for. So um, to relate, that's a very <laughs> difficult question. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that they both invoke um, a feeling is yeah. really yeah. how yeah. I can. Yeah. I like how you put it in terms of uh, one, one is something that's a positive feeling in terms of thankfulness and right. shame is a deep feeling and they tend not to go together. Uh, one of the ways we talked about it last time, it's mm -hmm. been, been a couple of weeks, is that insofar as I feel faulty or blameworthy mm -hmm. or broken, let's say, mm -hmm. then if something good happens to me, I didn't really deserve it, right? Right, yeah. And so it's hard to be grateful for something or anything good happening in my life when the rule is good mm -hmm. shouldn't happen in my life. Mm -hmm. because And why is that? Because bad things happen to bad people. Right. And I yeah. must be a bad person if, 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 I'm, if I'm really, especially insofar as I'm sunk in shame. Right. And so there's not really much gratitude to be to be given right and so uh they're almost i like the way you put it they're almost like opposites right um in fact we're going to talk about this today when we move into talking about uh our topic for today which is creativity just as gratitude and shame are opposites mm -hmm. i'm going to suggest today for our consideration we'll do a, an exercise a little bit later in the show looking at how creativity and shame are also opposites mm -hmm. or mutually exclusive right in fact, let me pause for just a second and talk about why it is that shame is important. In the context of addiction and recovery, it's central. And here's the logic. In a meta-analysis of 200 studies of what it is that's the most stressful to us as humans, mm -hmm. a meta-analysis just means 
they looked at 200 studies, all of which were looking at one variable, and that was elevation in cortisol. Mm -hmm. Cortisol is one of the two central stress hormones along with adrenaline. And so when, our, when we're stressed out, we don't, you know, I, I don't come to you and say, hey, Odie, I'm feeling high cortisol. <laughs> I say I'm stressed out of my gore. I say that from now on. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. But if you were to analyze my uh, innards, you'd find out that I've got elevated cortisol. Right. And uh, there's a lot of things that are bad news about cortisol. There's some good things. Cortisol motivates us. Cortisol mm -hmm. is at the root of the fight or flight reaction. So right. if I'm in danger, I need to either be able to fight or to flee quickly. Mm -hmm. And so it's helpful. The only problem is that stress when it gets locked in means that you're locked into cortisol running through your system like that. Mm. And you can imagine what that's like. Your system is just on overload like right. this. And so yeah. you develop a response that is very corrosive, not only to the body, but to the emotional life, to one's uh, um, uh, psych psychological sense of well-being. Mm -hmm. So in this meta-analysis of 200 studies that looked at what is it that leads to the highest elevation of cortisol, what was discovered was what I mentioned earlier, which was two things, threats to social acceptance and threats to self-esteem. Right. And by any other definition, that is shame. Mm. And so it is that in terms of all of the human emotions that are connected to stress, shame is, is at the very top of the list. Mm -hmm. Why this matters in the context of, since you asked me, <laughs> Yes, I did, in my mind. You I could it. feel it. Yeah, yeah, you felt it. Is, is, <laughs> In the context of addiction and recovery, is that this, the the uh, the strongest trigger for using or relapsing to using for somebody who's seeking to be uh, uh, sober, mm -hmm. the strongest trigger for relapse is stress. Right. And if the most stressful emotion is shame, then it stands to reason that shame is, if not the number one, is at the very top of the list or near it right. of triggers for relapse. And so mm -hmm. if, we had, if we don't address shame, and more specifically, or, or more broadly, stress, right. then we're really uh, at cross purposes if the goal is, is sustained and successful recovery. So that's the logic. Mm. Stress, highest stress, shame. Shame leads to wanting to self-medicate. And for somebody who's been addicted to substance, which I have been, right. is that it's it's a it's a trigger to want to self-medicate to, to reduce the stress, reduce the cortisol. Mm. And whenever I talk to a room full of young men and women in recovery from addiction and ask them, what do you do when you feel stress? Mm -hmm. They all say, use, yeah. because it, you, you've learned that, that, uh, that kind of reflexive move. Right. And even if long-term it's very destructive, in the short-term there's relief. Mm. <coughs> Since, uh, it, hence the idea of self-medication. Right. So if we come back to, then to our topic today, which is looking at the relationship of creativity and shame, mm as we did two weeks ago looking at gratitude and shame, then we begin to talk about something that might be important right. in terms of addressing shame. Hmm. And in the context of recovery, might be central to being able to sustain recovery. So if we move on with this, if I say that creativity is the opposite of shame, then I can just as easily say that shame is the opposite of creativity. And we'll be talking into this more deeply today is what does shame do to your creativity, Odie, or mm -hmm. Bob's creativity? Okay. We'll be talking into that. Just by way of review, when we talked about gratitude two weeks ago, and actually three weeks ago, we talked about the relationship of forgiveness, mm -hmm. self-forgiveness or self-compassion right. to shame. We've been talking about this. The term that psychology gives to what we're calling opposites, mm -hmm. that's an easier term. The term that psychology gives to that is reciprocal inhibition. Right. 
reciprocal inhibition, typically what that means is that two things that are mutually exclusive. So for example, I, I'm going to show you the picture here of, of Dr. Joseph Wolpe. He's the one, we have to blame him, he's the one that invented this term. <laughs> And his research, starting in South Africa and then moving to the United States, his research was looking at the relationship of two other opposites, and they were mm -hmm. specifically stress and relaxation. Okay. If you and I are stressed out, and we can find somebody, some way to relax, that reduces our stress level by mm -hmm. definition, because stress and relaxation are opposite responses in the body. And that reduces cortisol. Very good. So you're not feeling a, you're not feeling a cortisol moment right now because you're feeling relaxed. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's right. And so, and so, anything I can do to relax my body mm -hmm. is going to lead to reduction in cortisol. Is mm -hmm. going to lead to reduction in that fight or flight response. Right. And that's cash in the bank in terms of health, not only. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, psychologically, but health physically, because cortisol, as I mentioned earlier, is such a corrosive uh, uh, right. element. If we bathe in it, that's a problem. It's right. okay in a flash, right. but we're not meant to bathe in it. In fact, there's a term that psychology uses for that. It's called general adaptation syndrome, hmm. is that if you adapt to that high level of cortisol, you get used to it, you get used to it yeah. and it, will, it, it, it actually is correlated with burnout. Yeah. So when you and I feel burnt out, if you work wow. too long or under too much stress for, for a period of time, you can actually kind of adapt to that, but you can't sustain that very long. There's none of us can do that. Yeah. And so the, the term in English for general adaptation syndrome is burnout. Burnout. So, okay. so we're talking about how do we reduce burnout in general, and specifically how do we sustain successful recovery? Well, we have to find some way to manage cortisol. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. So... So today, let's talk about creativity and its relationship to shame. Oh, I see that somebody's written in something here. Thank you very much. This individual says, great to see you guys again. I love this topic as an antidote to shame. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks for tuning <laughs> in. Uh, yeah, I do too. I do too. I like talking about things that are fun. Yeah. Gratitude feels good and creativity is fun. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool to imagine that if you and I can find ways to express ourselves creatively, mm. we're actually going to define creativity in a few minutes and just kind of talk into it before we begin to establish strategies for how we might practice uh, living more creatively. Right. I love the idea of this because creativity at its best is really fun. So yes, anyway, absolutely. So it's a good thing. It's yeah. a good thing. Well, let me just start with this and let me open it up again uh, uh, in a very non-technical way. We can just talk about this. Sounds what cool. makes anything creative? Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, just any oh, idea at all. And let's just talk about this for a minute. Well, I think what we're doing right now is creative. I you do know, too. we're, you know, you bring up a topic of yeah. creativity and yeah. then it's really reliant on both of our yep. improv improvisational skills to that's exactly right it to is, create yeah topics and yeah yeah that's that's great everything. that's great yeah. i i did not feed odie where i'm going next with these slides you have not seen these slides i okay. did not i did not pay you you're not <laughs> reading my mind the very next slide has a picture of Dr. dr albert rothenberg okay. professor of psychiatry at harvard uh, medical school hmm. and uh, uh rothenberg is one of the handful of top people on the planet in terms of having studied uh, 
what's referred to as creative process. Mm. He's studied the psychology of creative process as much as anybody on the planet. There's a handful of people right. that stand at the top, and he's one of them. And he defines creativity just the way that you did, so you're in good company. Oh, well. And the way he defines it, he says it's bringing two things into the same space, mm -hmm. in this case, Bob and Odie, right. or whatever your experience is and whatever my experience is, mm -hmm. and we're working off of this PowerPoint that, that got completed a couple days ago, got sent to France and Austin. Here we are, and we're working off of that, but what can't be predicted is where we go with this. Mm. So already we've gone places that aren't uh, reducible to the PowerPoint. Right. And thank God for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's no. a, and so, so what we're doing is, you're right about improvising, is yeah. that we have a, a, an outline. It's a very loose outline, which I prefer. And then we just see what comes up. Right. And, and actually the exercises that we'll do later invite those in our audience to join in this kind of improvisational dance. That's really mm. what we're talking about. That's really creativity. Yeah. Now, of course, because Rothenberg was at Harvard, he had to come up with a fancy-falutin term for what we right. just talked about. I liked your definition uh, more, actually. He referred to creativity as homo-spatial process. And that simply means homo means same. Right. Spatial means space. So it's bringing two different things into the same space that weren't there before mm -hmm. and that what comes of that is a product that's not reducible to either one. Mm. So there's Odie and there's Bob and then there's Bodhi. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Bodhi. Or I could call it, it could be Abhi. Abhi. I like Bodhi. <laughs> Bodhi is a lot better. And so... Bodhi is neither Bob nor Odie. It's both of us. Yeah. And it's okay. uh, and so that's that's as clear a definition as I can think of of creativity. What's cool about this is it doesn't require then being an artist, for example, mm. to be able to engage in creative process. Right. Anything that we do that's original mm -hmm. in the moment and children children that's all the engages great right, process yeah. that's you know true. Yeah. later on we learn rules of games and you have to stay inside the lines <laughs> and that kind of thing but early on it's just pure imagination right and so uh you could also say that imagination is itself kind of a synonym of creative mm -hmm. process yeah. and it means that 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 anything that you and i do uh individually or with others um, and create something new that's never been done before mm -hmm. uh is 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 a perfect example of creativity and yeah. You don't have to be a great musician or a great sculptor or a great dancer to be highly creative in any one of those media. Right, so, yeah. Okay, so another question for you, my friend. And you better not be looking at my notes. No, I won't okay. bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if creativity is this ability to bring two things into the same space and come up with a third okay. that is not predicted necessarily by either one, mm -hmm. what kinds of things do you imagine? And any answer is good here, Artie. Right. What kinds of qualities do you think would contribute to my being creative or your being creative? Kind of qualities? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, in, you know, what kinds of things inside you, inside of me, enhance the possibility that mm -hmm. I or you could be creative in a given moment? Hmm. Wow. A lot of things can go into that. Uh, the yeah, first thing that came to mind yeah. is uh, our experiences yes. through our lives. You yes. Know, yeah. um, taking things that we've either seen beforehand or things that we experienced like emotion and things that we've seen before and kind of just yeah. meshing that together. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I think so. I like that a lot. So yeah, your experience. Quality mm -hmm. and experience mm -hmm. or, or, um, mm -hmm. experience and emotion, I think would yeah. probably. To be able to draw on that. Yeah. Would really exactly. Be helpful. Yeah. 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 
one of the things that comes to mind is I listen to you when we talk in our podcast here together mm-hmm. and we go into like we'll have exercises and then we'll go into often as I'll ask you to share first mm-hmm. we'll go into to our experiences that's rooted completely in yeah. your experience what you share yeah. it's not it's not in the notes it's nothing that you prepared for mm-hmm. and you you draw on your experience and then to imagine just to a, apply that then to a creative moment mm-hmm. you're bringing the whole wealth of all your experience right yeah. that makes it makes whatever you create makes whatever we create i this what we create is completely owing to you and me of course yeah because if france was sitting here it'd be a different creativity yeah or exactly. austin yeah. it's 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 odie or bodie it's bodie <laughs> <laughs> Not bronze. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to stop that. Okay, at any rate, I like it. at any rate, I like what you're saying. Is that so? One one feature or quality that uh, is a prelude to creativity mm. is is all of your life experience. And I like how you root it also in emotions, in terms of that which moves you most deeply. Mm. Yeah. Uh, about 30 years ago, somebody wrote ambition. Yes. Yes. So ambition is another one of these qualities. Thank mm, you. Yeah. That's definitely pertinent. In fact, let me let me draw in both of uh, both these comments. What you yeah. talked about in terms of experience and this individual sharing about amb- ambition. That feels r- right on the money. About 30 years ago, I was corresponding with some researchers in Stockholm in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they wrote in English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they had a laboratory there at the university in Stockholm that was studying creative process. And I was very curious, having been a lifelong musician mm-hmm. and loving to play, right, yeah. it, it was a natural thing for me. I had never studied creativity before, but they were studying it. Yeah. And I corresponded with them for a period of time, and they were doing laboratory research on creative process. Mm-hmm. And they came up with two features, uh, both of which I think pertain to what you said and what this individual said about ambition. Right. They said two qualities that are essential to creativity. One is focus. Mm. And I'm going to tie focus into ambition. I'm even going to tie focus into to what you said about experience. Is that for, for you to be able to access your experience, even here, right. requires for you to be able to be relaxed enough, let's say, mm. to be able to draw on that. Yeah. And if I don't know how it goes for you, but there have been a few times, there have been more than a few times. Let's just say there have been times in my life where I've been so dadgum anxious for whatever reason that there's no capacity to draw my experience because basically I'm in the survival mode. Mm. And at least for me, when I'm really stressed out in various situations, that wouldn't make for great creativity. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to somebody else today about creativity, and they said, how about humor? And I said, humor is like the ultimate creativity. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, you're coming up with an ordinary circumstance oftentimes and coming in from an angle that most mm. people don't uh, approach it with. Yeah, and exactly. so if you don't have the ability to relax in a situation, if you're uptight, chances are you're not going to be real funny. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or as he said, you might think you're funny to yourself, but no one else would find yeah. it funny. <laughs> so I think the ability to focus, to be able to focus on your experience and draw on that. This individual said uh, ambition. I'll get to the next comment in just a second. Uh, 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 it's, it's what these Stockholm researchers were saying. It requires uh, single-mindedness. Mm-hmm in terms of focus, and I think of that as really close to what I think of with ambition. With ambition, it means you're willing to roll up your sleeves and really apply yourself to creativity. It's almost like um, you're a drummer, correct? Yes. Yeah, I have a friend in New York who's a drummer also, Mm -hmm. and I've seen him play. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I've seen him uh, perform before, Mm -hmm. and just seeing him, you know, just do what he does. Yeah. 
but uh, like the expression on his face and the way that he um, plays the drums, yeah. it almost seems like it's not even a conscious effort. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. almost like an unco unconscious as part of who he is. He's just, you know, yeah. not even thinking about it. He's just yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like you bringing that in because I because that is a primary uh, art form for me is drumming. I can speak into that, and then and then anybody who's listening in, mm -hmm. including you, Odie, can apply it to your own situation. Is on the one hand to be able to drum like your friend, yeah, uh, and and like I have, I've drummed for over 50 years now requires mm -hmm. a lot of focused attention right, yeah so i've spent a lot of time focusing on on uh, developing skills for mm -hmm. one thing and also when i'm drumming in a in a in a live situation i have a jazz group and when i'm drumming mm -hmm. i'm very focused on what's going on musically because there's five other musicians and right. we're improvising in relationship to each mm -hmm. other so i may look relaxed but i'm very focused on what's going on with all the different musicians and how that's coming together but i thought of this as you were talking because the second quality that the Stockholm researchers identified. First is focus. The second one is flexibility. Mm -hmm. And that's the ability to just kind of flow. Mm -hmm. And when you were talking about your friend, it just looks yeah. like he's just just kind of, it's kind of flowing through him. It's coming. That's, kind of, that's the experience that's I have. A great word. Yeah. It's well. a strange combination. How can you be focused and flexible at the same time? Yeah. That's kind of the point of creativity. It's bringing two things together that typically aren't. If you stop and think about it, Rothenberg's definition is just that. Mm -hmm. Well, how about bringing together single-mindedness, ambition, drawing on everything that you know. Mm. If you were a drummer, I am, I draw on everything I've ever heard, everything I've ever played, and in the moment am responding with ultimate flexibility to what this musical situation defines. So I don't come in and go, okay, now I'm going to do that lick that I learned 35 years ago. Never do that. <laughs> it's just that in the moment when, when Franz or Austin plays a lick on their guitar and saxophone respectively, <laughs> is that I respond to that, right. and I may draw on that like from 35 years ago. Yeah. And so on the one hand, I learned that by focusing on it, but mm -hmm. right now I'm applying it in the context of being flexible. So it's kind of, it's kind of a strange mix, yeah. being focused and being flexible at the same time. Mm -hmm. it's, just since we're on drums, it, one, of the, uh, one of the interesting paradoxes of drumming is that I hold sticks in my hands, and the faster I want to play, the looser I hold the sticks. Yeah. It's just the opposite of what you would think, yeah. is that in order to play really fast, like a single stroke roll, <laughs> you have to <laughs> hardly hold the sticks. You, yeah. could, you could just knock them out of my hand like that. Uh -huh. And so it's, it's really flexibility, which is that, yeah. coupled with playing really fast, which is focus. So yeah. it's, it's a little bit like going east on a westbound train. <laughs> it's like <laughs> holding both those together. Right. Hmm. Let's see, there's a comment up here. Ah, uh, this is good. Somebody said, whenever two or more meet, there is a sense of the third. Some refer to the feminine presence or the Holy Spirit. Mm. This is definitely picked up in the various religious traditions. I like that. Yeah, in the Judeo-Christian tradition, mm -hmm. thinking of the idea of spirit or ruach in the, in the Hebrew Bible, mm -hmm. which is the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, um, uh, this also gets picked up in spiritual traditions that talk about the, the sacred third. Mm. That, it's, that there's you and there's me, there's right. Bodhi, and there's the sacred third. <laughs> there's the sacred third. Right. And that's oftentimes ascribed to divine presence. Yeah. I don't know your friend uh, when he drums, and, and I know that for me, drumming is one of the, it's, it's been, been my whole life. It's a core uh, entry point or portal into spiritual experience for me. Right. Because I'm yeah. very clear that what I'm playing mm -hmm. is I'm not inventing it. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a, the coolest experience mm -hmm. to be able to let creativity flow through you. Yeah. And it's not for lack of 
practice. I've played my whole life. Right. But what comes through me is something other than me. It mm -hmm. might be, maybe it's Bodhi. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I really agree that, that there's, yeah. there's an inherent spirituality in creative process. Yeah, I've been to concerts with all of us in this room. We've been to concerts. And when we watch that individual play that we've watched yeah. play, uh, Joshua Payne? Yeah. Joshua yeah. Payne Orchestra. Yeah, the Joshua Payne Orchestra with two people. Yeah. That is truly an orchestra with two people. And to me, it's just incredible creativity. Yeah, he plays exactly. here locally, uh. is that he approaches playing guitar and approaches an orchestra from a completely novel perspective. So the cool thing is, mm -hmm. not only does your friend drum, but you and I can go see him drum, mm -hmm. and we can be moved into creative process just by mm -hmm. witnessing it. Yeah, exactly. In this sense, there's a spiritual experience. That's why we go to see concerts. Mm -hmm. I went to a festival this last weekend with Neil Young and Jack White and the Pretenders and nice. Kamasi Washington, all these different artists at it and why I'm there is that I'm moved by the creativity <laughs> I see on stage that's right. what moves me yeah. and that and they're moved by doing it and they're moved by having an audience response yeah. so that's a, a kind of an ultimate expression of creativity it seems like to me at least in the musical realm yeah. I like how uh, they mentioned the Holy Spirit just because uh, mm. I'm Christian yes so, you are yes you are yeah. Um, yeah I feel I feel like that's an important process of yeah. the creative process yeah as well as uh, being in the middle of uh, sobriety as well, you know, you yeah. you don't depend on your own strength. You yeah. depend on yeah. you know that divine yes divine yeah. nature. So yeah, exactly. the The way that the twelve step programs talk about a higher power is very much in in, in concordance with what you're saying about the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit. And uh, uh, I think we're talking to to use your term. We're talking about an experience, mm -hmm. and the language might be different. I might call it ho higher power. I might right. call it Holy Spirit. You might call it higher power. Doesn't you know? Right. Yeah. It wouldn't matter what we're describing because we both know what we're talking about because mm -hmm. it's an experience. Right. It's yeah. not an idea. It's not a theory about the Holy Spirit. It's an experience of the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's not an idea about the higher power. Higher, higher power. It's being transformed by that. So it's right at the root of recovery right. and there are plenty of people even people that are secular in terms of their mindset so they're not aligned necessarily with a with a sacred or religious tradition right. who have this experience and mm -hmm. know what we're talking about yeah exactly yeah the language matters less than does the experience it seems mm -hmm. like to me yeah okay well let's bring in the darkness let's do it because <laughs> we have to talk about shame doggone it <laughs> is that if flexibility and focus are two essential ingredients to the process of creativity, yeah. and that's according to these researchers in Stockholm, then what does shame do to those two features, flexibility and focus? I'd like mm -hmm. to suggest that on the one hand, shame makes us rigid rather than flexible. Right. Yeah. And so if I become self-conscious or you become self-conscious mm -hmm. or your friend the, the drummer becomes self-conscious, is afraid of fouling up, Mm -hmm. Chances are that just squeezes off the creative juices like that. Yeah, you have to. Absolutely. I think you witness it. He gets into mm -hmm. non-self-consciousness. He's not self-conscious. Mm -hmm. He's free. Yeah, he's free to be flexible. Mm -hmm. And shame makes us incredibly self-focused mm -hmm. and afraid of messing up. Hence, rigid. Yeah. So that's one thing. And so shame is the opposite of flexibility. It's actually rigidity. And the second feature we talked about that's intrinsic to creativity, which is focus. Being able to focus on something. Mm. Unfortunately. Shame distracts me because it just, if I'm ashamed sitting with you here right now, I won't be able to listen to a dadgum thing you say. Right, yeah. <laughs> I won't be able because I can't get out. I'm distracted by my, the demons, yeah. you know, the, the, I had a supervisor who said, Bob, it's, shame is like a bag of rats. <laughs> 
uh, in the base in the basement, the basement being your brain, and then the and the bag goes open and the rats run like that. That's what shame is like. It's an awful image, but it yeah. conveys what it's like to be completely preoccupied. I lead groups oftentimes uh, every week, and I can tell with there are certain people in in the group that are uh, cannot be present because they're completely preoccupied. They might be pre- preoccupied by any number of things, but shame is certainly a central distractor. Mm-hmm. And so, if I need to be focused to be creative with you, right including in conversation, mm-hmm. shame will lead me to be distracted so I can't participate. So I can neither be flexible nor mm-hmm. uh, focused with you. Yeah. It's the opposite, in a sense, of, 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 of creative process, shame is. In fact, shame leaves us, to use a word that we've used before, it leaves us hypofrontal. Hmm. And I think I just invented that as an adjective this week because Microsoft said that word doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> And so I went to it, and I, it has a little red line under it. Right. And I went to it and said, ignore all. <laughs> so from now on, any use of hypofrontal is going to have a little little C inside of a circle. Copyright, Bob <laughs> We've talked about hypofrontality. Hypofrontality is the technical term for what it's like to lose access to your executive brain, which is mm-hmm. the front part of your brain, the frontal cortex. And shame, as we've talked about, is not a frontal lobe phenomenon. It's, it's a midbrain phenomenon. It's right. right between our ears. And it's powerful enough. If I'm afraid of losing your acceptance, if, I'm mm-hmm. af- if, I, if, I, if there's a threat to my feeling okay about myself, it kicks into that fight, flight, or freeze reaction. Right. Shame is really a freeze reaction. And it's mediated through the middle of my brain. And what it does is it's powerful enough to shut off my frontal cortex. Right, yeah. So if I'm in a shame response and you do a brain scan, this will be dark. This will be red. This will be active. Mm. And so I guess what I want to suggest here, no, I don't guess. I know what I want to suggest here is that creativity is a frontal cortex mm. uh, process. Wow. It requires a fully functioning from the cortex and then some, because it's right. beyond just your typical way of thinking. It's taking everything you know in right. your experience and creating something new. Yeah. It requires all cylinders firing, and shame shuts down all those cylinders just to one, and it's firing loud, right. and it's right here in the middle of our brain, and it shuts down then the, the frontal cortex, which is required, and so you're left with hypofrontality, which mm. would be lack of frontal cortex yeah. phenomenon. I want to mention something very quickly. Yeah, please um, do. This is all resonating because uh, what mm. I I created a video with Austin and mm. Franz. Mm, uh, I think it was last week, but it was uh, the effects of pornography on your on your brain. Yeah, this would be interesting. Very yeah, interesting. so yeah, which yeah. I actually uh, had experience with of addiction to that yeah, behavior. I appreciate you've shared that before, and I appreciate you sharing it right. again today. Is that we're, we're all enslaved or have been enslaved to something. Thank you for sharing it. Really. You're welcome. Yep. Thank you. Yep. And um, so you mentioning that made me think about that and thinking in the past how uh, I, I still make uh, comedy videos on YouTube here and there. And uh, uh, I remember my wife telling me one time, like, hey, you know, I notice a difference between the videos that you used to make and the videos that you make so now. Interesting. And she said that the videos that I make now are a lot more creative than they were before. So mm-hmm. just you saying that just kind of mm-hmm. uh, confirmed mm-hmm. all the research That's that I great. did for our video and then. That's awesome. You know, on that. That's awesome. So. It feels completely accurate. Really yeah. appreciate that. You remind me of something that came up today in a group that I led uh, right before I came here at Beginnings Treatment Centers. I was with, with the men today, mm-hmm. and we were talking about what happens if you're an artist. We, have, we had, we had a, at least one musician besides mm-hmm. myself in the group. He's a guitarist. What happens if you've always played guitar while you've been high? 
and I've worked a lot over the years with, with creative artists yeah. in, in the, the therapy and the coaching I've done. And this is a central question that comes up again and again. I've, I've worked with composers that only compose when they're altered owing mm. to substance. Yeah. And so the fear is if you take that away, is it going to wipe out my creativity? Right. And we talked about it honestly today is that an altered state of consciousness can move you temporarily mm -hmm. into kind of a non-ordinary state, including being creative. Right. The problem is also limits. And I think this is what your wife was noticing. Yeah. It limits your access to all that experience that you have mm. that's being mediated through your frontal cortex. And right. so, uh, so the relief that I found, and I've worked with a lot of musicians who've been scared to death, will I be as good a guitarist? Will I play drums as well? Will I be able to compose as well? Right. And as they get sober and establish some serious recovery under their belt, what they find is they have access to more, not less. And if you think about it just from a brain perspective, it stands mm -hmm. to reason what you just said, the truth of what you just said. Yeah. I don't care what the addiction is, pornography, drugs, any other of, of the behavioral addictions, they all shut down our frontal cortex. Yeah. And so if I want full access, to all parts of myself, right and left brain, frontal cortex, and all the rest, uh, sobriety feeds mm -hmm. that. We're going to tie into this right now. Cool. There's a book that came out uh, in the last year or two that I really uh, have loved this book. It's just called Originals. It's written by a business professor back east, I believe he's at uh, University of Pennsylvania. And um, he's looking at, it's a book on creativity and looking at creativity as it applies to success in life, including business. Mm -hmm. And uh, he calls it originality. What we're calling creativity, he calls originality. Mm. And so just as we've said that shame will shut down or limit creativity, like what you're talking about right now, mm -hmm. is that anything that, that, that shuts down my frontal cortex, mm -hmm. whether it's an active addiction, like what you were saying, or, or shame, which itself will shut down the frontal cortex, that means it will also shut down my originality. Mm. And uh, uh, I want to say a word about that. Give me just a second to okay. get this point here. Okay, this is, this is the thinking that I've had uh, recently around this, is that to be, for you to be funny mm -hmm. with your videos, mm -hmm. for me to be creative with my musical expression, for example, mm -hmm. there's nothing that's more your signature, that's more Odie yeah. than that. I mean, it comes from you. Right. And if it's funny, it's because it wells up from you and, and all of your experience and all mm -hmm. of your horsepower, all right. of that. And if you stop and think about shame for just a second, the last thing that shame wants Odie or Bob to do mm -hmm. is to be original. Right, yeah. Because to be original means to be unique, to be mm -hmm. uniquely who you are. If, if I'm in shame, remember what I said? Shame is a threat to my self-esteem. Mm -hmm. I am uniquely bad. Yeah. So why would I want to do anything but just but, uh, crawl into a crack over there or meld into the crowd rather than stand out? Right. So when you do a video, by the way, that's gutsy. That's really cool yeah. to me. Is, is that you make a comedy video, you're putting it out there, not only your humor, but you're actually recording it for all time mm -hmm. and sending it out there into the world <laughs> online. And so it's a statement of your uniqueness mm -hmm. or in the language of this author, Adam Grant, it's a statement of your original Mm. And to the extent that you're ashamed, mm -hmm. it will want to move that back. It will want to shove that back down. It does not want you to be original. Right. In the Eastern traditions, they, they, the, the, the question they ask people is, what was your original face, Odie? Right. What was your original, original face, Bob, before you were born? Mm. In the Christian tradition, they talk about the image of God, the Imago Dei. It's mm -hmm. like, what was the image of God in you before you were born? Right. And so now we're getting down to your original face, mm -hmm. the image of God inside of you, and shame would have you be anything other than that. Mm. And so we begin to, begin to see the relationship of shame to creativity, the shame to originality. There are plenty of people, and it's sad to me, there are plenty of people in life, and I've lived my version of this, and you probably have too, Odie, mm -hmm. when we're sunk by addiction 
are sunk by shame, sunk by limitation, where we settle into what Henry David Thoreau talked about. We have a slide here for this. Henry David Thoreau, the, the American naturalist and author, I love his uh, writings, said that, that it's easy enough to settle for leading a life of quiet desperation. Mm. That's always stuck with me. Just you know, resigning myself to the fact that I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna be ordinary. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be original. Yeah. Um, I had this huge epiphany. It was really a crisis for me in between my first and year, second years of graduate school, because I'd I'd gotten good grades all the way along. Right. But I but I realized I really wasn't being creative. Mm. And the and the question that came to me was exactly this. I can remember all those years ago. Have I ever written anything original? Mm. It was exactly this term. Yeah. And I set my mind to can I at least start trying to risk being who I am? Mm. It'd be like you copying somebody to be funny. Right. Yeah. Or be like me slavishly <laughs> following some drummer and not and that defining who I am as a drummer. There's some drummers that do that. Yeah. I used to give lessons to this boy because I gave drum lessons when I was in college. I gave lessons to this boy. <laughs> I forgot about this for years. Bless your heart, Craig. I remember you as clear as a bell. And I was going to teach him the rudiments of drumming. There are 26 rudiments of drumming, just like there are 26 letters in the uh, English alphabet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach him these 26 rudiments. After you learn these rudiments, you can play virtually anything. Mm -hmm. But it takes a long time to learn these rudiments. It right. took me, I spent five years learning the rudiments really well. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't want to spend five years learning those Dead gum rudiments, and so <laughs> we came in the second the second lesson. I don't forget this. <laughs> it was there was a rock group had just come out with their first album, Van Halen. Mm -hmm. Van Halen came out with their first album, and Craig put Van Halen on their record player. This is in the days of vinyl. Put it on there, and he said he played the first song, and he says, "I just want to learn how to play like that." <laughs> and I said, "I said, Craig, if you just if you'll just." learn these rudiments, you'll be able to play that. Yeah. He says, no, I don't want to learn the rudiments, I want to learn to play like that. So no, we did. For the next period of time, we learned how to play that rhythm exactly like Alex Van Halen on that album. Mm -hmm. Craig got to where he could play that rhythm. The problem was is that any song that came on was just a slower or faster version <laughs> of that rhythm. <laughs> and if it didn't happen to fit the song, it didn't matter because right. it was going to be Alex Van Halen <laughs> playing that song. So I laugh about this years later because I have to tell you the story. It was about five years later, his mom wrote me and said, oh, by the way, Bob, I want you to know that Craig is playing professionally now. He's, and he was playing with an artist that, had, uh, that was out at that point with a record. And I figure that Craig must have gone back and learned some other rhythms. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, in order to be original, it it, to be funny, to be a good drummer, mm -hmm. uh, requires, requires going upstream against shame. Mm. And shame would have us live ordinary lives, or in the words of Thoreau, live a life of quiet desperation. Mm. One of my favorite poets, the, uh, he's from Prague, mm -hmm. uh, from the Czech Republic. Uh, he's oftentimes considered the great poet in the 20th century in the German language, mm. was uh, uh, Rilke, R-I-L-K-E. And Rilke has a couple of poems. One of them is about going to a zoo and spending the afternoon watching a black panther going back and forth in the zoo. The whole poem is about this black panther, and he watched it very closely all afternoon. Mm -hmm. And there's another companion poem where he goes to an art museum, and he looks at a torso of an ancient Greek statue of Apollo. And does the same thing they did with the, the, uh, the panther. He just looks at that. And he finishes that last poem, mm -hmm. spends the whole day in this long poem about looking at this statue. And the last lines of the poem are, you must change your life. Hmm. 
He was so moved by the way the panther moved. He was so moved by the artistry inside this, uh, that, that went into to this statue, that he realized, basically saying, I need to change my life. Mm. And that's really, that's where we're to come with this. In order for you to be creative, you talked about your addiction to pornography, my addiction to substance. Right. In order to access the creativity that you now want, that your mm. wife sees, mm. in order for me to access the deep creativity that I want to live, all those years ago, I said I'd never had a creative, have I ever had a creative thought mm -hmm. that was not okay with me? I did not want to live a life of quiet desperation, right. but I had to change my life. I had mm. to change my life. And yeah. I set about doing that. I set about doing that. So, in the spirit of changing our lives, let me mention two or three things here. One is, is that are talking about addiction and recovery in the context of this series here on Asking Addiction Specialist. Mm -hmm. If you are addicted, please find help. There is help available to you. You can reach out to me, you can reach out to this community. And I say that, and I don't say that just for it to be like a cute little Hallmark card or something like that, is that today, as with many days, when I meet with groups of men and women who are in early recovery from addiction. And we talk about, well, we talked about it today this way, and there were tears in all of our eyes, is the miracle of being deeply in addiction. And there, there be some part of us that recognizes that this, is, this isn't the way that I want to live, mm -hmm. that I want to change my life. Yeah. It's a miracle because brain science would not predict that if <laughs> I'm deeply in addiction to methamphetamine, for example, yeah. that there would be any bandwidth available to think that this is not okay with me. Mm -hmm. And yet when I talk to clients, it's virtually universal. Is Every one of them in the depths of active addiction is not happy about this. I think about it in terms of the way that the Bible talks about a still small voice. Mm, it's the yeah. voice of conscience, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Right. There's a voice inside, even amidst all of that. One man said it today, and I really appreciate it, said that even in the midst of his addiction, he did not feel like God left him, mm. feel like God was with him. Yeah. He didn't always hear God, but he, he felt like God was with him. And then when the moment of opening came, when his heart opened, yeah. and it has now, it's so, it's so abundantly clear when you talk to this man, yeah. is that God was right there. Yeah. And so, so if, you're, if you're in addiction, and we talked about this before, the root of the word addiction in Latin is addictus, mm -hmm. and addictus simply means slave. Mm -hmm. So if you're enslaved or I'm enslaved, and there are ways that all of us are enslaved, we can get help. We can yeah. get help. So that's Absolutely. one piece. Yeah. Here's another piece. If you're emotionally wounded or broken, seek healing guidance. One of the ways I think about this is when I think about what trauma, you know, as a psychologist by background, mm -hmm. we study a lot about trauma and we deal a lot with trauma in the context of psychotherapy and coaching, is that when I ask myself the question, what does trauma traumatize? I think of it this way, trauma, trauma, tra trauma traumatizes the creative self that you are. Yeah. Trauma traumatizes the original face that I am. Mm -hmm. And so the pearl of great price that is Odie and Bob gets traumatized into non-existence, mm. hence the life of quiet desperation. Right. And so the good news is that with expert help, we can work through and heal trauma. We don't erase it, but we can transform trauma into the, my guess is that all your creativity, including your humor, is a function of everything that you've lived, including your suffering. Yeah. I don't think you got here some other way. You didn't like go around that and ended up here. <laughs> you're, you're here as a full-bodied human being who happens to be very creative, yeah. and it's, it's wound right into that as you're suffering. Mm -hmm. And so trauma can be transformed. Yeah. Thirdly, if you feel spiritually off track, and mm -hmm. all of us go in and out of that, yeah. I suggest that you obtain wise counsel. 
Mm-hmm. I mentioned two weeks ago when we talked about gratitude that a dear friend of mine passed away suddenly yeah. and that I was asked to speak that that morning actually mm-hmm. right before I came in I was actually I was asked to speak at his uh, at his memorial service and that I shared a poem there and I believe I shared it last week when I was here but if I didn't I thought it and it was just a line from a poem by the the 13th century uh, Persian poet Rumi who says life is short mm-hmm. use the portion that is left to deepen yourself mm-hmm. that's good Stay in the presence of those who not only speak wisdom, mm. but are that. Mm. Yeah. But are that. That's the whole poem. And so if you feel spiritually off track in your life, maybe you're not enslaved, maybe you're not addicted, mm. but things are just out of sorts, they're out of balance for you, seek wise counsel. Yeah. S- stay in the presence of those who not only speak wisdom, but are that. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, when my wife and I were going through our ordeal, you know, we had... Uh, church mm-hmm. friends, and yes, then we yeah, had pastors yeah. Yeah. that uh, we could go to. They pray over us, and mm-hmm. you know that yeah. helped a lot. Yeah, makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah. makes a huge difference. Yeah, thank so. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We psychology. We talk about co-regulation. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. You yeah. co-regulate. Yeah. That is, you manage yourself in in relationship to your wife, in relationship to your pastors, in relationship to your brothers and sisters in your church. Mm-hmm. They that we rely on each other. We lean on each other. Yeah. So why do all of this? Well, it's really, I'm going to use another term that's got biblical significance, is to regain our birthright. Mm -hmm. Your birthright is to be the full Odie. Yeah. Creative, funny, contributing, generative, Mm -hmm. productive, all of that. And so why would we want any less than that? And so my birthright, your birthright, is to be creative to contribute from a creative place. That's how we'll make a difference. You know, if you think about creativity in terms of what our lives are about, you come into this world, you want to leave this world having brought something that combined things in a way that you leave it better. Mm-hmm. The yeah. world would be poorer without your contribution. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate creativity, it seems like to me. Yeah. And that is our birthright. I think of that as the pearl of great price. So yeah. we're going to we're gonna wrap up here in just a few minutes. I want to uh, uh, ask you to join us in an exercise here. Simple question is this. How have self-doubt and shame obstructed your own personal creativity? Can you think of an example in your own life where for whatever reason you've gotten spiritually off track, Mm -hmm. maybe trauma has pushed you into a corner where you can't breathe, maybe you've got caught in some form of enslavement or addiction, and how has that affected your personal creativity? Can we think about that for just a minute? If you have a piece of paper, you can write it down, and (laughs) Odie and I will respond in just a minute. Does something come to mind for you? Mm-hmm. You want to share? And I, I have something to tell. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so, self-doubt would be basically uh, wanting to. Um, I've had more than one instance, and I'm sure anybody creative that has a creative practice yeah. or something creative that they do, they've had that point in time where, um, me personally, I wanted to stop doing. Uh, videos or stop Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. it may be Um, 
because of self-doubt. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe I wasn't meant to do this. I wasn't cut out to it. Maybe it's not my calling, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Um, but that's also happened during the times of when I was going through the whole ordeal with uh, my addiction. Okay. You know? So, mm-hmm. um, but different parts of my life, I've felt that self-doubt. And it sometimes it had to do with that. Yeah. You know, with yeah. the addiction, but also yeah. sometimes it had to do with um, just past experiences with mm-hmm. uh, family members that would yeah. Uh, question yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we talk a lot about shame here in the context of addiction. Uh, in, uh, today in the group that, that I uh, facilitated right before I came in here, one individual very early in the group talked about the shame that comes on the heels of addiction. Mm-hmm. So it's a behavioral addiction or a substance addiction is that we do things that we know that we're letting down our wives and our husbands, our mothers, our fathers. Mm-hmm. And so there's a vicious cycle we get into is that we, we feel bad about that. We feel ashamed of that. In that shame, it cuts down on our creativity. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it may make the addiction worse. We'll be more vulnerable because mm-hmm. you're kind of caught in wanting to feel at least temporarily better. And that's that's the way we were talking about it today. And so you can see a shame and addiction being tied in there. Right. But I really appreciate what you brought in here in addition to that because you're speaking to that as well. Mm-hmm. But that we have messages. We have responses from family members, et cetera, yeah. to our shining. Mm-hmm. Is it okay if we shine with our originality? And some people are much more celebratory of that than others. Yeah. And uh, most of us don't get out alive on this. And we've had some people <laughs> that have pulled off the rug right when we needed them the most to support us right. as we're pushing our edges. Because creativity, by definition, is pushing those edges. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it can really clamp down. Yeah, yeah. I think those are good examples that you gave. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I know that for me, uh, I have enough experience with this. I love composing music. I actually, in the past, have written poetry, which is also pure creative process for me mm-hmm. and the major expression is drumming for me yeah. and it's painful to say but how many times have I drunk alcohol or taken drugs mm-hmm. thinking that well I'll create a little bit later and then get so wasted yeah. that I don't have the energy to do it mm-hmm. and so it's uh, just directly a function of addictive behaviors for me where it, it, it ends up distracting me away from doing something creative. Mm-hmm. I become much more kind of passive yeah. recipient of the altered state mm-hmm. rather than actually participating in creating something new. Mm-hmm. And so that's painful to me. There's another piece for me. I, it was when you were talking about, oh, when you were talking about creativity, is it for you it's videos, let's say. For me it's drumming. Mm-hmm. The thing about this is, is that virtually anything we do yeah. could be creative. I want to make yeah. sure that as we're talking about creativity <laughs> today, we're not saying that you have to be a great dancer or a great <laughs> sculptor. You know, It's not about that at all. It's about doing anything with creativity. Yeah. Years ago I read a book called Zen Without Zen Masters. And and uh, it, was a, it was a book on how do you... How do you embody kind of the essence of creative life without somebody to teach you? Mm. And the author gave me gave examples. I remember two of them. One is he said he said if 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 you're a man, for example, and you shave with your right hand, then experience shaving with your left hand. Well, I I've always used a razor, and so I tried that. It didn't go well for me. <laughs> but the idea just breaking up routine is all all he was talking about. That doesn't require being a great artist. Another thing that he said was, if you habitually go to work in a certain route in your car, mm. don't go that same route. Yeah. Take another take an alternate route. Mm-hmm. And I also have done that just to mix things up. And yeah. if you do that, then you begin to engage in what the Zen uh, Zen people call a beginner's mind. Mm. Is that every day you open up with the possibility of doing something new. 
Mm. I'm not going to do the stale, the predictable. Right. I'm going to do something new today. You can mix it up, and you can see right away that you can mix up anything, yep. starting from the way that you get out of bed in the morning <laughs> to right. what you do as your early morning rituals. All of that is open yeah. to creativity, it seems like to me. So yeah. I want to make sure that we leave creativity wide open. Okay, in relationship and relationships. For even. sure yeah. in relationships. Relationships may be one of the more powerful uh, media for creativity mm -hmm. because it's two people by definition coming together, yeah, exactly. two or more people coming together. But that can become stale and predictable. Mm -hmm. and you can suck the marrow right out. You can have a marriage or a relationship of quiet desperation, yeah. and then we're back to the beginning again. Yeah. There's a comment up here. Let's see. what. For me, after getting sober, finding my creativity again and bringing that into my healing process has been essential to having a reason mm -hmm. to stay sober. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yes. Yeah. The good news about creativity, whether it's your drummer friend or you mm -hmm. uh, with your videos or me with my own creativity, the cool thing about it is, is that it feels really good. Yeah. Is that you know both Carl Jung, the psychiatrist Carl Jung, as well as the uh, the psychologist Roll May talked about creativity as being one of the fundamental human needs. Mm. And the the reason they say it feels good is that it's essential to survival. Yeah. You may or may not agree with that. I tend to think that that's true. Yeah. If 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 I am not able to be curious, if I'm not able to try something new, if everything has to be predictable, there's something that really does feel death dealing mm. to. Yeah. To that, to me, in that you probably experience times in your life with, which are more uh, routinized, the mm -hmm. most routine. Yeah. The same for me; it's the opposite of life for me. So I, I totally agree with you. The one who contributed this is that creativity becomes like a, a core to sustaining sobriety. Yeah. In fact, when I first was in, when I first was encountering recovery and the term sober was being used, I was really bummed because I didn't really feel like that sobriety was something that was desirable. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to have on my gravestone, oh, that Bob was a really sober guy, <laughs> in a certain way of understanding it. But sobriety in terms of vitality, sobriety in terms of what we're talking about, yeah. in terms of creativity, mm -hmm. in terms of contribution, then I'm all for that kind of sobriety. Yeah. And so I really do think of what we're talking about as a wholeness that would want to contribute to the world and anything that would support that, including our little literal sobriety. Mm. I'm in favor of that. And I feel like the creativity is what we're talking about today. Creativity is one of these core components that to the extent I can be creative is, is to the extent I will heal a lot of ills, not the yeah. least of which is my addiction. Yeah, I, I'll take that a uh, step further. For me, um, that was uh, a big part, you know, mm -hmm. not just that, but also mm -hmm. I started getting into so social media marketing, so that was mm -hmm. another mm -hmm. part of mm -hmm. like cre being creative Absolutely. in a sense. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. just almost a, as an escapism of of uh of that yeah, uh, addiction yeah, yeah, you know yeah, and then yeah. um also as a part of uh of worship yes, you know yes. uh, being grateful for like um yeah. you know thank you jesus for yes yeah, for yeah. blessing me with this creativity you know yeah, just so yeah. all of that just yeah jumbled all together yeah it's great yeah i really appreciate you sharing really all great. of that yeah. yeah is that it, it it's uh uh it there's a term that's used, uh, and I uh, oh, it's, uh, there's a term that's used in the literature of creativity. Mm -hmm. It's autotelic is the term. Autotelic. Autotelic. And what that means is that you do it as an end in and of itself. Mm. Yeah, you, you do you do something not as a means to some other end. You right. do it because it has its own value and it's in it and it's reflexive. So you sit with you sit with having been creative. It's first mm -hmm. of all, it's a joy to be creative. Right. And then you can express gratitude to God for that. Right. It also is healing parts of you that are wounded that are looking for creativity. Jung called addiction a thirst for wholeness. Hmm. You might as well say a thirst for creativity. Yeah. 
He also talks about addiction as a poor form substitute for religion or spirituality. Mm. You might as well say that, that addiction is a poor form substitute for creativity. Yeah. It's almost like a facsimile of creativity, but not. Mm. If I get altered with substance, if I get altered with any kind of addiction, there's a way that it kind of sort of feels like, mm -hmm. but it doesn't pay off the same way that creativity does, yeah. and it almost always has negative long-term effects. And so we're talking about the real deal right now. Yeah. So as we wrap up right now, what we've been talking about is that shame can crush out creativity, can move us back into being uh, living a life of quiet desperation. Shame can crush out our originality, your original self, your mm -hmm. original humor, your original uh, video making, your original marketing. I've seen in a room of creative people. I've seen Franz's work, which is incredible, your videos, Franz. I've been in seminars, a number of seminars with Austin, which are incredibly well done, thoroughly creative, because no one would present like that. Mm -hmm. And here I'm sitting with you, Odie, and it's, it's like, it's in the room. We should just invite everybody down here. There's like creative, <laughs> you know, molecules floating around this room. And so, so shame is one of the things that squelches that. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about the fact that originality or creativity itself can be an antidote to addiction mm -hmm. as well as an antidote, a companion antidote to shame, yeah. what's to be done next? And I want to suggest this as homework. Calling it a creative baby step. <laughs> and I'm going to hold myself to this. I have to tell you that I worked way too long yesterday. Yesterday was a 12-hour day for Bobby. Mm -hmm. That's way too long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At the end of the day, I just felt crushed by the amount of work that I did yesterday. And it was getting late, and I decided what to do, tired or not, is that I was going to, I have a friend who recites poetry, mm. and he wants me to lay down some music tracks with that. So I brought my congas into my room with a microphone, and I put on my earphones, and I played rhythm to his reading poetry. And then he had a second poem, and I brought in my snare drum with wire brushes, and I listened to that, and I, did, and I didn't have much energy. It was probably 30 minutes altogether, but I gave it a good 30 minutes, and it felt really good just to allow myself to do something other than just pound out work. Right. And then we send it off to a friend of ours who may be listening today who herself <laughs> creates a dance performance in relationship to the poetry and the, the rhythmic accompaniment. Oh. And so now I have three people participating in creativity. Right. So I was really glad to do that. And today, when I leave here, I'm not quite done. I have a number of different tasks to do, but I have it in my calendar tonight, hopefully before it's too late, is that, that I, uh, one of the things I, I use, a, a Mac computer, GarageBand just came out with an update that has all these new bells and whistles for composing music. And even if it's for five minutes tonight, Odie, I'm swearing to you on my heart that I will, I, will, I will create a moment in there where I can do something and just see what comes through, mm -hmm. just be pure creative. And, that's, and I'm just talking about a creative baby step. If you've got five minutes of doing something different, if you shave with your right hand, shave with your left hand. If you always eat this one meal, make something new. If you drive a certain way to work, drive someplace new. If you have a video inside of you, <laughs> take a baby step towards creating that, whatever yeah. it would be. Years ago, I went to a conference with the uh, Jungian psychologist, James Hillman. It was a room full of 300 psychotherapists. He was talking about how to become an effective psychotherapist. Somebody asked him that question, and his answer was, cultivate your art form. Mm. And he said, by art form, I don't mean that you have to be a great artist. Mm. It just means if you walk, walk mindfully. Just don't walk absentmindedly. Mm. You can turn walking across the house into a creative act. Yeah. You know, if you're a dancer, that's a creative act. <laughs> well, why can't we all be dancers? Maybe not as skilled as people that have spent years studying it. Right. But, and the cool thing about drumming is right now you can start drumming. You don't, there you go. See right there. 
And no one's ever played exactly that, <laughs> maybe, you know. So it's just to say that we have infinite uh, 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 portals for access and creativity. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm suggesting to, uh, to our audience, uh, I want you to join me tonight in some small creative act in the direction of building those muscles and in the process vanquishing shame. Mm. So as we wrap up, creativity has the possibility of it's excluding shame. It can help us heal shame. Uh, we've been talking today about living creatively and I'd like to support any way that we can do that in our lives. And I promise you that I'll do that tonight. Although I wanna say this, with you today, there's no way we could have known how this would go. Yeah. And so this is this is an example. And what is it to just try to live as much as we can creatively? Why not? Why yeah. not? Thank you. Thank you. As we wrap up, I want you to know that next week we're going to be talking ab about this topic, shame as the unthought known. And I'm quite sure that you probably have never seen those words together. And so I want to just say this. What I mean by shame as the unthought known is that oftentimes it's hard to locate shame or to name it. Mm. I just feel yucky inside. Mm -hmm. That's all I mean by unthought known. Mm. It means you can't think it, but you know it. Mm. You can't talk about it, but you know it. So I want to talk into that experience more an embodied sense of shame next week without using a bunch of fancy falutin terminology just to say that, uh, let me give you one example which I've mentioned before. Going through six years of a doctoral program in psychology, you can bet your bottom dollar I studied shame intellectually. Mm. I wrote some papers on shame and I'll tell you what, I didn't know shame by what I thought about it. I discovered shame much later when I experienced the loss that followed on the heels of my own addiction. Mm -hmm. And then I experienced just mortifying shame, and you have your own version of this. Right. It's not out of a book. Mm. It's yeah. nothing that I, that I studied, and I knew it deeper than I knew anything, and it just was incapacitating. That's what I mean by shame is unthought known. Hard to think about, hard to understand. You can write papers about it, but that ain't it. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> it is is something other than that. So we'll be talking to that next week and what to do about that, okay? So I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Thank you for your contributions online. Most of all, thank you, Odie. Thank you. Appreciate your presence very much here. Thanks for joining us. Um, I mentioned earlier, uh, if, if you like what you saw today, send a link out to friends. Uh, having them have them join us next week. We'll be here next Wednesday at 3 o'clock the same time. You're welcome to write to Austin here at Ask Addiction Specialists on Facebook. You're welcome to access our archives of now 32 podcasts, which is amazing, at Beginnings Treatment Centers under Ask Addiction Specialists. You can find it there. They're all, they're all stored there. They're also in YouTube. You can look up Ask Addiction Specialists on YouTube. And you're also welcome to write me. My website is just my name, drbobweathers.com. You can write me. There's a contact page there, and a, a, a number of you have done that. You'll just write me directly. It comes to my email, and I'll be happy to get back to you. So thank you for joining us this afternoon. Lots to chew on. May you have a very creative evening and creative week. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank Franz and Austin, too, for making this happen today. Blessings, and have a good week. <laughs>